um, and some of my my students would come and feed me <laughs> because I couldn't feed myself. <laughs> That's oh, how bad it is. Paralyzed. <laughs> goodness. Welcome to Mama Soul's Wisdom I Am Love Movement Podcast, the place where you will learn how to build a five-dimensional family through decades of experience where the core values are learning what is possible through love and acceptance and knowing how to do right by your family will assist in the growth of you and the ones you love. success outside the home that will ever compensate for the failure inside of your home now introducing the host of the i am love movement podcast the one and only mama soul wisdom hello beautiful souls do you want to live your life by design and not by default do you want to belong to a movement bigger than yourself If you want to go from victimhood to victory for yourself and your families, then fearlessness is our battle cry, and it all starts with self-love and acceptance. My name is Loretta Wetzel, also known as Mama Soul Wisdom, founder of the I Am Love Movement. I created this podcast for individuals and families both traditional and non-traditional. As human beings, we are all a hot mess. So I share everything I've learned through old school wisdom for a new generation so that you can live your biggest and best life. Let's end the conversation of suffering and pain and live into a conversation That includes abundance, prosperity, and love. Now, there are four key principles to my podcast. You'll hear a flavor of these. Number one, self-love and acceptance. It all starts here. What does self-love and acceptance mean to you? How would you define that? For me, it is being at peace with myself. For others, It may mean your own well-being and happiness. It could also mean taking care of your own needs and not sacrificing your well-being just to please others. Self-love means not settling for less than you deserve, and we all deserve abundance. Principle number two, focus on family. Traditional and non-traditional families, multicultural families. Now, why, you might ask, should we focus on families? Because parents must understand how to handle fears, sleeping problems, sibling rivalry, divorce, promoting self-confidence, and how to deal with social issues and setting boundaries. What is the state of the union on families in America today? Well, in order to answer that question, ask yourself, what do kids see grown folks do? What behavior are they observing? 
If you watch the news, the social media feeds, the YouTube channels, listen to the music, in many cases, it is not a pretty picture. Well, who's going to do something about that? We all must look in the mirror and seek support when necessary. Principle number three, connectivity. You see, I am you and you are me. We bleed the same. We have similar hopes, dreams, fears, and aspirations. It is time. We stand as light warriors, sharing our light as the leaders we were meant to be, individually, in our families, our communities, and with our global neighbors. The fourth principle is the conversation for humanity. Understand this, together we are never alone. And I ask that we become curiously engaged with people who don't look like you, think like you, or talk like you. Diversity is beautiful if you look for the beauty. Now, for today's old school wisdom for a new generation saying, Have you ever heard of the quote, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? Just focus a little bit of your time, your money, and effort in preventing bad things from happening, and it will save you from a world of hurt. Today, we're going to talk about an ounce of prevention is is worth a pound of cure through something called cybersecurity. And we're also going to talk about overcoming tragedy with Dr. Ashton Laurent, CEO of NYC Cyber Defense, Inc. Now, let me give you a little bit of uh, some background on Dr. Laurent. She is an experienced cybersecurity professional who has managed information and training for many years. Why cybersecurity? Well, it is one of the greatest needs in the United States, and especially for business owners. You know what? Computers have been around since the mid-1980s, but most people don't even realize the dangers they pose. They hear about attacks on the news, But until it affects them personally, people tend to ignore the risk that they face every single day from using their computers, laptops, tablets, cell phones, and can unknowingly expose valuable personal and financial data. Dr. Ashton has an extensive background in technical training. She's worked in different industries, banking, legal, pharmaceutical, aviation, and she's worked with developers all over the world. And she's multi-talented. Dr. Laurent is also the author of a brand new children's book titled Mercury, the Magic Train. And it is scheduled to be out by the end of September this year. I can't wait for it to have a conversation about that because I love children's books. 
as I was growing up as a kid, reading was one of my favorite pastimes because it could take me away out of my current situation and transport me to wherever I wanted to in that story. So Dr. Laurent, welcome. May I call you Ashton? I just, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So Ashton, thank you for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited that you've decided to join and share with us about your background and experience and talk about your children's book. But before we get to all of that, share with me a little bit about your previous life challenges. You had some serious health conditions, didn't you? Yes, I did. I was a university professor for many years. And then all of a sudden, back in 1983, I had a brain aneurysm. Well, I never had headaches before, and all of a sudden, I had a headache to beat all headaches, and I knew something was wrong. So the um, EMS people came, and they asked me if I ever had, if I, if I had a headache, or if I, if, you know, they asked me something, and I passed out, and woke up a week later. <laughs> oh my goodness. You woke up Found a week that, later in the hospital? A week later. I was, I was in the hospital and I had died during that time. I don't know if you want to hear about that, but <laughs> I died during that time and I didn't want to come back, but I came back. Anyhow, I found out at that time I had, had had a brain aneurysm and they had to keep me, they had to cool it off before they could operate. So another week went by and before they could operate, they had to move me to another hospital in uh, Washington, D.C., because that's where I was living. And... Um, uh, then they they operated and um, I became para- I was paralyzed on my left side after the operation and had to learn how to walk again. I I had been I had been teaching at a university for the deaf called Gallaudet mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. That is the oldest uh, university for the deaf in the country. Uh, started by Abraham Lincoln back in the um, 1800s and it um, and some of my my students would come and feed me <laughs> because I couldn't feed myself <laughs> that's oh, how bad it is paralyzed <laughs> goodness I had no idea and yeah I had to learn how to walk again I was because I knew sign language and finger spelling, I was able to get my the use of my hand back by doing finger spelling of all things. So this is something that if you ever have a stroke, learn finger spelling because it helps to get that that movement back. Well, you've already <laughs> you've already I think answered my next question because usually I ask like, what did you do to overcome these challenges? But isn't it beautiful oh. that your students came and supported you? Uh, when... They did. Yeah. So they were they were wonderful. They were wonderful, and I and and then my my uncle came from California. He was a doctor, a psychiatrist, but he came to help me out, and um, he would walk me 
actually, you know, hold my hold my arm. Um, I would hold his arm and walk because other than that, I was on a walker. But it helped me to get that movement back to be able to have have him help me with that. And I I I, um, I worked very very hard to get to be able to walk again without falling and and because every so often when I would try to walk anywhere, I would just suddenly be on the ground. I had no idea how I fell on the ground, but I was just on the ground. I didn't hurt myself, but um, I was, um, it was hard to keep my balance. So tell me, I how still have, you still have, huh? you still have, I still uh, have a few, a few balance problems. I still have a few balance problems. This is many years later, but uh, it, uh, it just took a long time. But the main thing was that I have aphasia. And now aphasia means that you can't think of words when you need to. So I, during this interview, I may, I may be at a loss for words, and it's not just a senior moment. Well, <laughs> it's hats a, off and to I you. I always think of the words. So I had to stop teaching. I went back to school and got a degree in business. I got an MBA. Uh-huh. And I went, and the first job I got was with a bank in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Because actually, I had gone down to Charlotte for the summer after that. My sister was was, um, on a sabbatical, and she asked me to take care of her house in Charlotte while she was out of the country. And so I went down there, and I worked temporarily at a bank. And then they hired me to be there as a technical writer. Well, writing was perfect for me because if I couldn't think of a word, I could I could go back to it and fill it in. You know, so it didn't matter so much that I couldn't speak ah. because I could write. Mm-hmm. I could write, and I could so I just I just would leave a blank and then go back. And when the word came into my mind, I would go back and put it in. <laughs> You and that's still the way I write today. I, it sounds to me like you took lemons and you turned it into lemonade. That's what it sounds like because you developed your passion for writing and it was your coping mechanisms and skills to say, okay, even though I have a va- aphasia and sometimes I can't think of the words that I want, but I can still write. Now, how long did it take from the time of your medical situation until developing, uh, going into business for yourself, because I know you were in academia for a period, but now you also run your own cybersecurity company. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, what I found after the aneurysm was that I, I suddenly found that I could work with computers. And I had never really, I had never worked with computers. Actually, they were pretty new at the time. We're talking about 1983, and so not that many people had them. They were just coming, they were just coming out at that time with personal computers, and word processing machines were were becoming popular. And I found that I had an ability for this that I never knew I had. And so I couldn't teach literature and and that sort of thing anymore but I could explain to people how to work with computers because that was step by step 
I didn't have to grasp for words because it was just set do this one, two, three, four, five, like doing a recipe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it, in after uh, around 1986, I um, had I had started a business down in Charlotte teaching people to use computers. And one of my employees um, had a friend up here, and she kept calling him from my business and sometimes I would talk to him and we started talking and writing and um, anyhow we he came to I came up to, to meet him to, to meet his family actually my daughter went up first <laughs> and then he I went up to meet his family and then he came down and then we decided to get married oh. and I came up to New York I came up to New York to marry. <laughs> well, the, uh, the long distance phone calls were very expensive. <laughs> it was cheaper to get married. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> plus, I had always, plus, I loved New York. When I was a child, we lived in Ithaca. And then, and, and so I loved New York. And then we moved from, from New York to Alabama, which was really culture shock i'll say that's a big culture difference i know it was it was real hard for me because i was i was kind of uh i was too weird for them and i didn't talk right and (laughs) i didn't know to say yes yes, ma'am and no ma'am and that sort of thing (laughs) so they thought i was rude and so, uh, you know, my mother had to, to drill us in that and teach us to do that, to, to talk, you know, to at least be polite. And I never could uh, really make it down south because it was just too, it's a very different atmosphere. And I was used to, in, in Ithaca, we were, we were living in um, married student housing where my father was in school. And it was an integrated community. And then you go down south to in the in to Alabama at that time, it was terrible. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know what was going on. I was very it was very confusing. Wow. To me. Well t- so tell me tell me more about the your company in how you serve sure. businesses. Sure. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So my business, the first business I was doing here uh, for about 20 years, for the past, for about 20 years, was teaching people to work with computers and to get jobs. So I started out with the idea that I would help women in the job market. And because at that time, the women were just using typewriters. And so I taught, I would teach them how to use computers, how to use the computer software and get them so that they could pass, say, the employment tests and, and get good jobs. And all of my people got good jobs. So, you know, I felt like that was a great success. And I kept many of my, I kept, I started working with small businesses then. And, um, then, um, in, 2007, well, my husband became disabled, and he was, um, uh, I was taking care of him. He was in a wheelchair, and I was taking care of him, but he was a, he was a model train nut, which means when men start collecting things, they go a little crazy. Uh, I don't know if you're uh, around men who uh, like yeah. collect, collectibles. Uh, yes. 
they, yes. they can't they don't have any they don't have any boundaries <laughs> and they just <laughs> they so just true. buy and buy and buy if they can and so <laughs> i told him i said listen tony you've got to make this into a business so i can write this off on my taxes i can't afford it <laughs> because i was <laughs> i was basically taking care of us at that time and he was just buying these trains and at that time these engines were extremely expensive these model trains were really very high because a lot of men were collecting them. So he said, oh, well, he came up with the bright, bright idea of making an animated movie for kids. Not just a regular movie, an animated movie. Well, <laughs> I said, okay, well, I'll write the book. Well, he didn't think I needed a book, but I said, yes, you need a book. You have to have a book. So a book. I started writing the book. <laughs> and the book I wrote started out with these children that used to play in front of our house. And uh, in front of our house, and they would, every day, the kids in the neighborhood would go out and play baseball in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Rain or shine, winter, summer, it didn't matter. Their mothers would kick them out of the house and they'd go look out and play ball. And they had a great they had a great time doing it, and not one child in our neighborhood was fat, by the way, because they were all running around all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were all outside playing baseball all the every day, every day out there. As soon as school was out, they were out there playing baseball. And there was one kid who was a who was a very nasty little kid, and he I remember he broke a window in a neighbor's house once. Well, I use this as the basis for my story. I started out with these three kids, these kids playing ball, and then this little kid who takes a slingshot and breaks the window in a in an apartment where they're playing. Mm-hmm. And then the the three kids who were playing say, "Uh oh, we better go." let this guy know that we didn't break his window. <laughs> so they go up to the guy's apartment and they explain to him that they didn't break the window, that somebody else broke the, the other kid broke the window. And he said, Oh, I thought I saw this kid running off. Uh-huh. And, uh, on the ball, they, I mean, they didn't find it. It wasn't the ball; it was a rock. They had the ball, but they they had the rock. They they saw the rock in his apartment. Then they saw this little model train, and they said, "Oh, what a cute little train! It's a nice toy." And he said, "Oh, that's not a toy, and that's that's Mercury." And he said, "Sit down, I'll tell you the story." And so he starts telling them the story of Mercury, which happens to be a magic train Mm. and he tells them the story and he says magic words the train gets big and they get on the on top of the train and they go through a clock that's in his room and they fly out into space and go back into the past wow and this and this was their adventure (laughs) we did all this animation for this and so they, they go out and they meet this group of men called the train gang. And these were the men that this old man used to work with when he was younger. Well, they haven't gotten old. He's gotten old, but they're still young because they're back in the past in 1947. And during this during this flight on, in space, they have adventures. Like the, there's a villain that tries to shoot down the tra- train and... 
And then when they're on this at this mountain, the villain comes back and tries to tries to destroy the crane, and all these other characters come into the story. And the reason for that is that my husband kept adding things to the story. <laughs> he kept changing the story around, so it went on for a long, long time. Well, it sounds like a great <laughs> a story for the imagination. Mm-hmm. And so, what age range? What uh, age group do you recommend? It is for, your for it is for children. It's for children up to about age six. And but I found that teenagers like it. <laughs> the ones who've seen the movie, uh-huh. because we. Uh, he didn't finish the. He didn't finish. He didn't live to finish the movie, and that was such a shame because he was one of these people who could do every kind of voice imaginable. He could be a woman. He could be a man. He could be. He could be any ethnicity. He could be any age. And he had that kind of talent where he could just have any kind of voice, and you would believe that he had that voice. And, and you know, it was just he was amazing. And so you did this book, and then not only because of your love for your husband, Tony, but also because he started the animated movie, Mercury, the Magic Train. And you thought, you know what? Right. We actually actually hired hired somebody to come in and do the animation. We found somebody, a man in Michigan, who did these clay figures for us. Uh And then he would photograph the figures, and they would animate them using Flash. And so it was, um, you know, it was all animated. And, um, you know... If any of your listeners ever wanted, I could send you a copy of the movie. <laughs> uh, listen, more importantly, it's, I think people want to purchase your book. YouTube. It is on YouTube. Absolutely, and okay. it's, there's a, there are previews. There are previews of the of the movie on YouTube. Um, Mercury, the Magic Train, and it's in English, Spanish, and Russian. Oh, and the okay. reason it's in. It's, the reason it's in Russian is that our animator was Russian, so he did the voiceover for that. <laughs> so I didn't realize that we you had up, the YouTube video and the book then together. Okay, well, that's, that's I do, nice. I do. I mean, it's just, it's not a video of the whole movie. It's just a, a trailer of the mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's a website called magictrain.com, and you can see some of the things on there. And how do and people uh, purchase it if they want to purchase the book? How would they do that? Well, the book will be the book isn't out yet. I'm I have to talk with the publisher about how that will work as far as that goes. And I'm I'm doing redoing my website magictrain.com, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to buy it on the website, and they'll be able to buy it on Amazon. And um, then the publisher is, has asked me to finish the second book, which I did start. And but I haven't finished. And he wants a series of this because he said he's going to have try to get it in the schools. Nice. So that would be good. Oh, and we have nice. we have twenty six original songs that go with the movie. Uh huh. And so you know, I'm going to be. I am actually going to be reading this on YouTube and having the songs there where we have children, some children who are working, who are the children of my uh, arranger are going to be doing the singing. And then they can let children can sing along. That is drive so their parents crazy. Well, no, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, what I really love about your story 
is your passion, the love, the love that your husband had for trains and how you just picked that up. And, and also the fact that you, Ashton, triumphed over tragedy. You didn't allow your illness to stop you. And you just took your current situation and you continued to grow and learn a different skill. And you found out that you loved computers and turned it into a business. This is important because we don't have enough female CEOs out there in the world today when it comes to business. So not only did you triumph over tragedy, you created being a CEO of your own cybersecurity business and you followed your passion by writing a children's book. I think that is just phenomenal. Well, thank you so much. But I do want to say something about cybersecurity. Sure, go ahead. Because what, what after I've, I have been, I have, after uh, working with the basic computer training, I started getting into cybersecurity because it's such an important field. But the thing that's so important about this is that many of the schools and universities will actually pay students to go to school if they're studying this. And companies will and companies will pay for them to go to school and study this and then they'll have jobs when they leave school. And these this is one of the biggest needs in the country and companies are just are really pushing to have to have new to have students go into this field. Now, I am I am a member of uh, several organizations, one of which is called ISACA, and I work with their academic uh, resource council there. And we work with the students uh, at the university, at the New York universities, to help them uh, develop their skills in cybersecurity and to get jobs. So if there are organizations like mine, like the one I work with, all over the country, and students can get help from from these organizations. So if, um, I, I don't know, Loretta, would it be appropriate for people to, for me to give my email address so if they want more information? Absolutely. Please do. It's Ashton, A-S-H-T-O-N, at nyccyberdefense.com and you just write me and I'll be happy to give you information about these organizations. Student memberships are very, very inexpensive and you get a lot of the educational resources. You get all the educational resources and you get job help and uh, academic help and uh, all kinds of resources to help you in your career. So I think that's important for people to know. It's absolutely you know, important. With kids, with kids want to want to know that they can get send their kids to school for free. Listen, girls, you can say that again. And I, here's the other thing too: people must learn how to transform with the times. You got to pivot and shift. And we live in a digital world, and 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 it's not going back, right? And so you got to learn how to protect your data. You must learn how to protect your 
itself, and there are so many areas in cybersecurity. One of the areas I work with is developing policies and procedures for companies so they can follow, so they can comply with the regulations. And you don't have to be a programmer to do this. You can be an English major. You can be a sociology major. You can be any. You can do anything you want. And there are areas in cybersecurity that you can fit into, and you can make a very, very good living doing this. Mm. And you can support your parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ashton, thank you so much. Those this are magic is, words. This is. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure a lot of parents' ears perked up with that one. Um, one, one last question. What is one thing you would tell people now that you wish you knew then when you first started out? Any words of wisdom? Because you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? There's got to be oh, yes, one thing that you would tell people now that you wish you knew back then. Oh, what is you it? Must, you must believe in yourself you believe in yourself you look to god for guidance and you believe that you can do whatever you want to do and whatever is important to you and you don't let anybody you don't let anybody try to discourage you mm, a wise piece of advice Dr. Loren, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the I Am Love Movement podcast. So if you want to find out more information about how to do right by your family, go to mamasoulwisdom.com. I share old school wisdom for a new generation so that you can live your biggest and best life. Remember this. Love and light are healing forces. So go and make a positive difference in someone's life today. Dr. Loren, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time with me this evening. And thank you so much. I, I loved talking with you. Mm -hmm. So my podcast <laughs> listeners, my beautiful souls, rise up and shine, rise up and thrive. Rise up and succeed and rise up and be who you were meant to be. This is Mama Soul Wisdom, founder of the I Am Love Movement, sending you compassion, acceptance, and forgiveness. Until next time, always remember to love yourself first. Thank you for tuning in to Mama Soul Wisdom's I Am Love Movement podcast. We hope that you have received a massive amount of value through the tips and tools provided here on today's episode. We look forward to helping you and your loved ones grow each and every day by sharing some of Mama Soul Wisdom. sure to sign up and register today to Mama Soul Wisdom's mailing list and tune in next time for our next episode of the I Am Love Movement podcast.